freedom fighters, freedom lovers, and those who just want stuff for free. Hello, I'm your humble social studies teacher, Mr. Palumbo, and welcome to the Professor Liberty Podcast. I hope everyone's having a great Monday. I hope your weekend was filled with friends, family, and maybe even a little something tasty on the barbecue. Mmm, sounds good. I'd just like to remind everybody that the email to the show is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Also, please don't forget, if you give us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts, I will send you a free Professor Liberty sticker. The offer is still in effect. What's this offer, you ask? Well, if you give me a written review and then message me and let me know, this is a trust but verify situation, I will send you a free Professor Liberty sticker. It's that easy. And unlike most free stuff from the government, which comes with higher taxes, debt, and fees, this is actually free to you. It's not free to me, but it's free to you. All right, today I wanted to talk something about economics. And with the plethora, what does plethora mean? Plethora means an excess amount of something. With the plethora of material present in the news today, you know, the countless stories of government intervening in the economy. I mean, at this point, I feel like, what's the difference between our economy and China's at this point? I thought, because there's so much material to build from, we could talk about economics today. So don't, don't stop the podcast. Don't run away. I know a lot of people are very uh, scared of economics, and they don't, they think it's a bunch of voodoo and Greek, and they just... It scares them and they don't understand it. I'm going to do my best, boys and girls. I'm a licensed educator and I'm going to try to do my best to make it understandable for you. So let me set the table. I want to start off with a term. This is a term we're going to be using throughout the podcast. It's called the multiplier effect. Okay, the multiplier effect. Now, most times the multiplier effect is talking about money and spending, but not exclusively. And it's this other part of the multiplier effect that I want to talk about. Basically, a multiplier is anything added or taken away from a market that will have ripple effects because of its influence. Investopia.com defines it this way. In economics, a multiplier broadly refers to an economic factor that, when changed, causes changes in many other related economic variables. So think about the pond, right? The proverbial, you throw a pebble in the pond, right? The water is nice and still. Nothing's moving. It looks like glass. And then you drop a pebble into the pond, and these ripple effects, right, start irritating the water and they grow and they grow and they grow. Uh, an example of a multiplier is if you're old enough, <laughs> think about when the iPhone first was introduced. Think about how life changed since the introduction of the iPhone. Think about all the new accessories that now exist, all the apps, the games, the charging stations at the airport, high-speed internet requirements, the jobs, etc. All that has come because now the iPhone is here. That is the multiplier effect. Think about all the new IT jobs Apple had to uh, create for troubleshooting and customer service. 
Think about all the raw materials, the demand for these raw materials, how much they went up because of the now demand for the iPhone. The iPhone was that pebble dropped in the pond. And the multiplier effect is the waves that grow and grow and continue to grow. So, boys and girls, if we can grasp the multiplier effect, and you don't have to write a term paper on it, you don't have to know it back and forth, but if you can understand the underlying concept, you can start understanding economics from a basic level, and you can see how government intrusion in the market screws everything up. The scales are going to fall from your eyes if you can get this concept and then start looking through this lens. You will see the light. So here's the thing, folks. The multiplier effect can go in reverse as well. An easy way to think about this is think about a recession. Now, a recession is two consecutive quarters of economic slow or shrinking. When there's a recession, like the one in 2008, for example, demand goes down, which makes businesses lose money, which means you have to lay people off, which means they lose their jobs, which means they lose their house. That is a negative multiplier. It acts like the water when you pull the plug in the bathtub drain, right? That vortex just starts to go more and more. Okay, so now we know that the multiplier effect... Uh, can go both ways. It can spur growth, and it can hasten economic nightmares. Let's look at the government lockdowns of last year, and let's apply the multiplier to it. Okay, so on the onset, I want to say that at the beginning, all of us, I mean, nobody knew what we were dealing with in terms of this virus, right? Hospitals were being overrun with sick patients, and I, I'm pretty confident to think that most of us were okay with that original 14-day to flatten the curve idea. I think most of us probably thought, hey, that's, that's, we can do that. That's something we can do. Um, of course, we know now that this idea of 14 days morphed into this nightmare that we're experiencing now where they're talking about vaccination passports and going to jail for wearing a mask. I mean, that's a whole other podcast that we could talk about government overreach. But uh, this idea of shutting down for 14 days uh, most of us, I think, handled it uh, with understanding, and and I think most of us could uh, handle it and, and survive. I mean, I hope we could survive. Now, there is statistics out there that shows that, on average, Americans save 1% of their income. And anyone that owns a business, especially a new business, will tell you, uh, you know, a 14-day pause might be a catastrophe. But let's look at the multiplier on this one, Okay. So imagine you're a small business owner, right? Where's that dream uh, sound effect? So imagine you're a small business owner and you've been forced to shut down, shut your doors for 14 days. You don't have a choice. There, there's nothing you can do about it. You have to do it. Now, you understand that no patrons are going to be allowed to come to your business and spend money. Now, imagine that for a second. Now, not all businesses are the same, but let's, let's take a diner, for example. Let's, you own a small diner. What happens to the food that won't be consumed in those 14 days? Looks like you're going to have to throw it out, right? How do you pay for your utilities, your payroll, your rent for that month? Well, dip into savings, you might say. Okay, well, that's good. 
Hopefully you had some savings to dip into. Many people don't. What about wages? I guess if your employees are all hourly workers, that helps because if they're not there, you're not paying them. But let's move to the next ripple in the pond, the employees. Imagine you're an employee. You have to pay bills too, you know. And now your wage has been cut to half of that month. You only got paid for two weeks instead of four. If, the, if you're an employee and you can't pay your bills, that's another ripple in the pond. What about businesses who supply the diner? Well, like I said earlier, the food, the produce, the coffee beans, the milk, demand is going to start crashing for all those items. And we're just talking about a diner, one diner here, folks. Think about this on a grand scale across the country, thousands of diners. So we can see clearly how the multiplier effect can take something negative in regards to the economy and quite frankly, make it devastating. Now, the government in all its wisdom, the same government that forced the 14-day pause in the economic activity, comes along and says, we're going to put a rent moratorium on all landlords so people who lost their jobs can't be evicted. A moratorium is just kind of like a pause, a break, um, a halting for a, for a time, okay? Okay, okay, this makes sense. I mean, the same government forced the economic lockdown, right? I mean... They can't, they, they can't just force an economic lockdown and then, you know, be the reason thousands of people lose their shelter, their homes. But let's talk about the multiplier in this case. Man, I wish we were in class. If we were in class right now, I'd have you guys giving me what you thought the next step is. All right. But so let me ask you guys. OK, so now uh, people have lost their jobs. So now the government says there's a rent moratorium. And now, how does this affect the landlords? Think about it for a minute. How does this affect the landlords? What's the next ripple in the pond? Well, we know landlords have debt themselves, right? How does this affect the tenants? Well, they're going to have to be choosing between rent and stretching their money for other necessities. The problem with government intrusion in this scenario is it's truly put together an economic catastrophe. I mean, they have... They have baked a pie, they have baked a cake, ignoring all the economic laws that they can ignore, and the cake is going to explode, right? Maybe a better analogy is they've built a bomb without knowing they've built a bomb, or they've, they've combined chemicals that when these chemicals are all together, it, it creates a economic nightmare. Think like the blob, right? Didn't the blob, no, I think the blob came from space. I was going to say, didn't the blob come from a, a lab? I don't know. I think the blob came from space. Anyway, all right. The problem is government intrusion has put together this, this cake. Here are the four ingredients, okay, of the cake. First, the government did the 14-day pause. Well, that turned into six, seven-month pause. That's devastating, pokes, folks, pokes. I mean, I don't know what business can uh, survive six, seven months of of you know, this oppressing their business. Well, actually, I do know. Amazon did great, boys and girls. Amazon is one of the few businesses that grew during the pandemic. But I digress. Element two, the eviction moratorium. Okay, now you guessed it. It wasn't just for the 14 days of the initial knockdown, right? That would have made sense. All right, we're only doing 14 days to flatten the curve. And 
if anybody is uh, in danger of being evicted in those 14 days, that also cannot happen. But months and months and months of this eviction moratorium. Folks, we have people that haven't paid rent in a year. I'm not done. Let's go to the next element. The government gives generous unemployment benefits. So people don't really want to go back to work. I'm making pretty good money sitting at home doing nothing, not paying rent. Okay? And we're not done. Finally, to add to this chaos, stimulus checks. You want to talk about trickle-down economics? How about these trickle-down stimulus checks? Every so many weeks, 1200 bucks here, 2000 bucks here, 5800 bucks there, 550 bucks here. Boys and girls, this is a train wreck coming down the tracks. We have people flush with cash, not worried about or concerned with paying rent. What do you think these people spent their money on? Did they save? Now, remember, Americans aren't savers. Now, we know prices on everything are up. We are in a season of inflation that hasn't occurred in this country for decades. A lot of this inflation is because of the stimulus checks. Another ripple in the pond, ladies and gentlemen. Now, many of you might know that the eviction moratorium just expired. That means people better pay their rent or they're going to be thrown out into the streets. Now, economics is a study of choices. So not everybody's the same. Some people were smart. They saved their money. They're going to be okay to pay their rent. They're going to go on. But some people made bad choices. And other people were already poor. And this has just put them in a worse spot. Now, knowing human nature, we know that many took advantage of all this free stuff the government has bestowed on them. They enjoyed living somewhere for free for a year. They spent all their stimulus stuff on things they've always wanted but never had the money. This is called the income effect, by the way, but that's a different podcast. So if you do some research, you'll see that a lot of collectible items the values, or so we say, the price of these things have gone up. I have a friend who collects baseball cards, and he said the prices of baseball cards have skyrocketed. Some of you may be familiar with Pokemon, right? And the Pokemon craze that has gripped the nation. Targets and other stores have placed a two Pokemon item limit per customer because people are going in and they're buying everything. A local news station in Tucson, Arizona, wrote an article back in March that talked about the Pokemon fever. It said, quote, Pokemon cards aren't quite worth their weight in gold, but they are worth a lot right now. Over at Showtime Cards on the east side of Tucson, they said buying cards, trading, and collecting industry is crazy right now. And it talks about a two-year-old, a two-year-old, a 12-year-old who has this thrill of buying a new Pokemon pack, and she looks forward to it every week. She says, it's, it, it's more exciting to see if you get a rare one from a pack, okay, like a rare card. The article continues, uh, this girl, I don't want to say her name, this girl and her dad visit Showtime cards about once a week. He collects sports cards while she hits up the Pokemon section. It's bonding time for the father and daughter duo. And they are not alone either. Many people started collecting and recollecting the popular 90s card game and sports cards. What's the main driver in this new Pokemon craze? A game that's been around since the late 90s? Well, the article continues. Are you ready? 
once people got their stimulus checks, we've seen a spike in almost everything, mainly sports, but then later on came Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, just everything has gone crazy, says Max Guter, clerk at Showtime Cards. There you have it, folks. Stimulus checks. The same checks meant for, you know, food, shelter, bills. But here's the thing. Maybe the family in this story didn't need a stimulus check. I know that my wife and I didn't need a stimulus check. We didn't need him at all. But we'll take the money. I mean, we'll spend it. I think most of our stimulus went to fixing the swimming pool, buying silver, and some of it went straight into savings. But you see, folks, the ripples in the pond are still moving. The multiplier is still doing what the multiplier does. And reckoning is coming in regards to renters and this eviction moratorium. In an article in the Berkeley News, published in May, it's entitled, Are Renters and the U.S. Economy Headed for an Eviction Cliff? This article discusses in detail the possible ripples effects that this moratorium lift may have. Okay, now they're talking about when the lift, when the moratorium is done. Now, before I read this, I want to add that, no, you know, it's not the lifting that's the problem. It was the issuing the moratorium in the first place. So it's like stepping on a landmine. You heard the click. And now if you move, you're going to blow up. Okay. So, but of course, this is Berkeley, not known for their... Uh, libertarianism or their conservatism. So this is written from a place that, you know, lifting the moratorium is a bad thing. Anyway, the article says, in all, nearly 6 million renters owe, check this out, nearly 20 billion in back rent, according to one study co-authored at UC Berkeley. And most of those affected, the Berkeley scholars say, are low-income women, families with children, and people of color. Oh boy, so we've got all the oppressed groups uh, that this moratorium is going to affect. It goes on. The potential impact could be catastrophic, added Tim Thomas, research director at Berkeley-based Urban Displacement Project. It could lock more and more people into a population that will be housing insecure for a long time if it's not the rest of their lives. And this will pass down to their children. Now, the article does mention briefly that landlords face their own economic challenges. But like I said earlier, this being a Berkeley article, it's literally all they say about the landlords. Okay, and then they move right back on to the poor renters. Describing the multiplier effect further, the article says, when people are evicted, Thomas explains, it leaves a blemish on their record. And the negative effects can reach deep into their lives. Their credit rating takes a hit. That probably makes it more difficult to rent a new place. To find something less expensive, they may have to look far from their job or potential jobs. So they're talking about commuting. That can mean longer commute, higher transit expenses, less time with the family, a new school for the kids. It could mean greater challenges in holding a job. You see, boys and girls, the ripple continues. And once you learn that every action, there's an equal opposite reaction, that's not just for physics, guys. That's very much for economics. 
We can stop listening to the talking heads and the elected leaders that lie to our face. Most people don't realize they're being lied to because they don't understand these basic concepts. Just the other day, President Biden said uh, this infrastructure, what, $3 trillion infrastructure bill is going to stop inflation. Stop inflation. I mean, he said it three times like some kind of a chant or like, you know, get rid of evil spirits, uh, an invocation. But if we know that more money in the system, more money in the market, right, is going to increase inflation. I mean, that's just something we know because we study economics. And this really helps you with your voting, too, boys and girls, because you don't listen to the slogans. You don't listen to the catchphrases. You don't listen to the hope and change. You don't listen to the make America great again. You listen to what is the guy saying? What is the specific actions he is going to take? And then from those actions, I can make a decision on who I think is going to be best for the country. So there you have it, folks, the multiplier effect. Start to see it in action on a daily basis. Look at how government actions are going to create ripple effects. And unfortunately, we live in this weird time where the government is acting like no economic laws exist. And we're paying the price. And the market is going to work itself out. Okay, the market will always find equilibrium. But there's going to be a lot of pain before that equilibrium occurs. Here at Professor Liberty, we seek to educate, inspire, and restore. If you like this podcast, please give me a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to email the show, the email is professorliberty1776 at gmail.com. Also, go to Teachers Pay Teachers and search for Professor Liberty, and you can find lessons and activities designed by me for your homeschool or for your other instruction needs. Until next time, go throughout the land and proclaim liberty.